Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here, and welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Sunday. Yeah, we got a really exciting episode for you today. We got Josh Kennedy, the guitarist and lead vocalist for the rock band Black Moods. Now, they got a new project out called Sunshine. It's killer. They're a great band. Uh, they're up and coming, of course. And, uh, you know, I think you're really going to enjoy this. Uh, Josh is a, is a really nice guy and, uh, their music is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's rock, man. It's rock and it's about time, right? We need some good rock, some good rock and roll, man. And so we got Josh Kennedy from the Black Moods is going to join us right now. How would you describe to people that have no idea who the Black Moods are? How would you describe the Black Moods? Um, a friend of ours coined it pretty well. He said, uh, "What does he say? It's cl- uh, classic modern rock, I guess." <laughs> yeah, classic modern. rock. I think rock. that's what he said. Something like that. I mean, it's just uh, you know we we we're uh, what do I always say? We're babies of the seventies and the nineties, you know, like those are our two, those are two uh, generations of music that are decades that really affected me, uh, the whole band actually, you know, cause, uh, Jordan and I grew up with our dads both being in bands oh, and yeah. who were, you know, so CCR and, uh, uh, you know, Grand Funk and ZZ Top, all these things were just embedded into our brains, you know, Boston, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, um, and then that was always in Eric Clapton, you know, that kind of stuff. Zeppelin was always in the house. And then once the nineties hit and, uh, I really started, you know, paying attention and, and then the Jim Lawson's and Counting Crows and something pilots come out as far as songwriting that really appealed to me. Cause I mean, we were, you know, we were very young. I, I we missed the whole eighties. The, the only band really that I latched onto was be guns and roses that came out of that, you know, really heavily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's pretty cool that you, uh, you have that kind of background. I mean, that you had parents, you know, that were into music that heavy, you know, because some cats like myself, I, there was nobody in my family that knew anything that he, I, nobody even listened to music in my family, believe it or not, you know, and how I came out of it, a fanatic for the guitar and loving Eddie Van Halen. I'll never know, but that's crazy, man. Yeah. You'll see, uh, Chico, uh, Nobody really played music in his family. He just kind of, uh, you know, when he when he heard Nevermind is when he, uh, when that record came out, he, he was like a little kid and that's what really turned him on to it. So, but his his dad is more of like George Benson and uh, yeah. wasn't a big rocker. And, and my, like I said, my dad played music a lot. So he, uh, they were always rehearsing in the house and I was just <laughs> born. I think my mom's water broke at one of my dad's gigs with me. You know? <laughs> That's funny because my wife had a baby when I was away at a gig one time. So, oh, really? Yeah. It, you know what? A crazy story is that we were at a gig and my wife and the bass player's wife were in the same hospital 
a room apart and they both had babies. We had to rush back from the gig once the gig was over. And oh, that's amazing. It, yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So, so, so you had a lot of influences, you know, uh, as a guitar player and that in a lot of rock. Was there, was there any, was it diverse, you know, when it comes to music? Was there any like country or blues or? Oh, yeah. I mean, where I grew up was it's southwest Missouri. It's called Wheaton, Missouri. It's a town of 600 people. And, you know, we had CMT. We didn't have VH1 or, or TV <laughs> or anything like that, you know, back when they actually played music. So, I I mean, but before that, uh, you know, like Swinging Doors, uh, Jerry Reed, Merle Haggard, you know, uh, those songs are – I I know those just because – I mean, I have I can – I've never have sat down to play them, but just because I've heard them so much, if I sit down to play them, I can't, I can't, you know, because it's just in my DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how would you describe yourself though, as, as a player, you know? Um, I would just say I'm a guitar player because I, I'm not, I'm not genre specific. Everything that I tend to play does come out sounding like me. I can't, I can't. I know there's something there, which I, I, I think is cool. And I've latched onto it because I'm no virtuoso by any stretch. Um, as far as like, you know, I, I don't even know the names of all the chords and stuff. I just right. move my fingers around until it works. Right. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a lot of us that do that, you know, <laughs> sometimes I'm the idiot in the interview. So uh, I like to play a big game, but you know, so are you, uh, are you passionate about the guitar? Or is it more about the song? Uh, it started out. Uh, it started out about just the passion for playing guitar and the way that it made me feel. You know, uh, I've, I, like I said, I've been around it forever, and you know, my mom was my first guitar tech. She, <laughs> when I was two, I would always carry around a Scooby Doo guitar or those plastic guitars, and I'd break a string on it, and she'd go and buy me a new one. Well, I got to be expensive to keep buying. So she started restringing my guitar with fishing line. So that, that kind of passion stayed with me. And when I really started getting in and like being disciplined about it, where every day after school, it was all about just getting home and sitting in my room by myself and playing to whatever I could, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, that was, it really kind of clicked around 12, 13 and, and then, but I started writing songs right off the bat. You know, I wrote my first song uh, complete by myself when I was 12. So that's when the, that bug started kicking in. And, uh, and we were four piece at the time. We had a singer. So I didn't really have to worry about it. It's a lot easier to focus on just the guitar when you're just doing, you know, the harmonies and stuff vocally. And so that was really the days whenever, uh, the guitar was everything. And now that I have to sing because we're three piece, uh, I kind of feel like it gets lost a little. I, 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 like I'm neglecting it. You know, I feel like it's a kid. I'm not paying enough attention to or something. <laughs> well, I, I think everybody would agree that, you know, the song is, is more important than in any individual instrument in that it's just that there's sometimes, you know, guys are, you know, really focused on their playing within it, you know, and sometimes they, they probably, prioritize you know as their guitar parts take their um the majority of their attention as opposed to the song as a whole you know? yeah but it yeah seems i'm always really, thinking about the song yeah it always seems like you know really great players really great bands 
are really more focused on, you know, the, the totality of the, of the song and that. So, so you probably, you didn't, if you, if you're saying that you don't really, you know, uh, know music that well, you probably didn't take no lessons. You're all self-taught. Yeah. Well, I just, my dad showed me, you know, G, C and D. Well, he actually, he showed me that. He showed me, uh, Midnight Special by CCR was the first ah. tune that he really sat down with me and with the B7 and the, just that whole intro. It's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's so, and I'm grateful for him showing me that first instead of smoke on the water. That's, that's <laughs> you know, it was like, which is a great lick. Don't get me wrong. I, I love that band, right. but, but there was my... something, there was some, uh, there was some, something special about, uh, that song and the intro and, and just the way Fogarty is, is to learn that for your first time with your dad was just cool as hell, you know? Yeah. So when did you get into your, your first band? Um, well, my dad, I, cause, I got to sit in with those guys, but I could only stay the first because they play like four sets a night at the bars, you know. Yeah, right. I remember those. But I, but I could only I could only stick around for the first set, and then I didn't understand until years later why it was that a kid had to leave the bar before the second set kicked <laughs> in. <you know? laughs> but um, uh, I really put it uh, put a band together when I was thirteen, fourteen, with some buddies from school, and I was lucky. That we were in such a small town, you know, we only had, I had 28 in my graduating class, like, and I went to school with all the same kids from kindergarten till, you know, senior year. And there was two cats in my class that were brothers. Uh, they were just, were just spectacular musicians, a bass player and a singer. And, uh, and so we, we started a band. And then, uh, once we got good enough, my dad started playing with us. So that was really, we were, and he, he's just a smoking drummer. It's incredible. So, we did that and then when I from like third I played with them for my thirteen and then we started doing weekends and you know, doing the thing, the weekend warrior gigs. Mm-hmm. And then I moved out to Tempe when I was nineteen to to Phoenix and uh and then those guys came out there with me and we kept the band going and that's where we met Chico. And then eventually, you know how the business once once you start become having any kind of success in the business uh, it can be stressful and so not everybody's built for that. So, yeah. Uh, so those kind of, I mean, they were, it was tough cause they were my, my brothers, you know, I grew up with them, but, uh, but, uh, everybody's not made to be in a band for the, for your entire life, you know, like, <laughs> like we are. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough, you know, to see uh great people that, that you play with, you know, go, go do something else or have to split for whatever reason in the industry eats people up. You yeah, know, it does. Get them out quick. Well, that's well, we haven't given up, and and you know this year is crazy. It's as it's as it's been. It's uh, for us to have a top twenty record. That's the first time that's ever happened. So I was just there was there's some um, some gratification in that. You know, it feels you know when I think about it because you're you're in the moment, you're in the middle of it. So it doesn't seem just because you have a song on the charts or whatever. It, do, it doesn't affect what I'm doing because we're still riding it in the studio and, you know, still broke, <laughs> yeah. but uh, we're still moving and, and things are, are looking, you know, up, but uh, you, you got to stop sometimes and, and, and appreciate where you are and, you know, where the hard work is kind of paying off. So. Yeah. Cause it's easy to go, you know, and next thing you know, you wake up 20 years later and it's just been a blur. You got to enjoy the ride. You know, that's, yeah. That's a lot of it's blurry for sure. 
Yeah, ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? So, you know, there's always an evolution of an artist and there's definitely an evolution of a guitarist. So let's talk about that. When you first started playing, you know, what kind of gear were you using at that point in time? Um, when I very first started, I my dad took me to get, you know, a little practice amp and a little cruise guitar as a small guy just to make sure that I was serious about it, you right. know. Right. And then, uh, and so, uh, and I was really serious about it. And that guitar was a serious piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so for Christmas, uh, he had, he had told me he was going to take it to get it re to worked on or something. I can't even imagine the, the line that he gave me as a little kid for me to be without that guitar for so long. But I know a few days before Christmas, he's like, here, I'm going to go get that worked on for you. I, I just remember it being gone. And so, uh, Christmas morning, and I think I was, must have been 13, uh, he got, they got me a gig bag, this cool, nice gig bag. And I, I got it, I opened it up and I got it out and he's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, check the pockets on it. And there was a tremolo bar on it. Well, my, I was like, what is that? And he's like, I think that'll fit on your guitar. And he's like, I went and got it. It's in the closet. And he bought me this beautiful, uh, strat. Wow. And so my mind is white strat. And, and I was a little kid at the time. So this thing was, it seemed like, I mean, <laughs> now it's nothing, but it seemed just huge. Yeah. So uh, that was, uh, I would say that was probably a 1990 strat because it was a few years old. But um, uh, I used that. And then uh, I was playing through my uncle's uh, practice bass. He played bass. So I was using his practice amp as a, as a yeah. guitar amp for myself because I didn't have one. And, and they took me and I wound up getting that. A 112 PV. Oh yeah. That I use for a while. You know, the workhorse. That's like the, that's the industry standard. If you're from the Midwest, <laughs> everybody has it. Mine was a bandit. Uh, yeah. There a you go. Bandit. Yeah. Heck yeah. They had those black widow scorpion speakers in that too, right? The black yeah. widows. Yeah. That's what it was. And they were good amps actually. You oh yeah. I mean, they're workhorses. Yeah. You know, but I, I use that and then I, and now, and, and then soon after that, I got, uh, I wanted to get a Les Paul and I, a buddy of mine said, a buddy of his had this Les Paul he's wanting to sell, go check it out. And, uh, so I had my friend cause uh, at the time I, I wasn't old enough to drive. And so my buddy that was old enough to drive took me to where this guy, it was a trailer park of three trailers. And so <laughs> it was one of those, when you knock on the house, the whole thing moved. Yeah. Oh. And, so I, and I'm a little kid. I'm scared to death. I knock on this house and this guy opens the door and he looks around before he looks at me. He's like, can I help you? And I said, uh, yeah, I heard you had a Les Paul for sale. And he shuts the door and the house shakes again. I just kind of stand there and he brings out, he brings out this gun bag and it was a, it was a Les Paul in a gun bag. He's like, here, take it and string it. And if you like it, bring me back 200 bucks. And so I just stood there and I ran to the car and there was no strings on it. And at the time, you know, uh, a little kid, the, uh, the local music store was just ribbing you as much as they can. So I was, I was probably paying like 12 bucks for a set of strings. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so I was debating on whether or not it was worth it to use this set of strings on this guitar. And I got, and I put it on there and I've got, I've got it. I've had it ever since. Yeah. I was, you know, it's, it's been my, and it's a 76 Epiphone Les Paul actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's incredible. You know, so that's a great story. You know, there was there was a music store in, in my area when I was a kid that, you know, we go to is a local music store like, you know, every town has. 
But whenever he would have a 40% off sale, he would raise the prices on his guitar but on his on his guitars by about 40%. So you would go back and the guitar would be like just a few dollars less than it was before and you know and have this big 40% sale off, you know, and it's you know it's all kids, you know, their parents coming in there they don't know no different, you know. Right. Like that. And so yeah, them local guys, man, they get you. Dude, well, I've seen that at Guitar Center a few times. I mean, like you see a mom coming in with the kid, and then the sales guy's leading her around, and, and you're just like, you felt so bad for her. You're like, yeah. this guy's going to clean you out. Yeah. So, but now, I mean, what are you playing right now? If I was to come see you play right now, I mean, what's what's the rig look like? Um, Right now, I've got, they're called Fopstar. It's a boutique amp, uh, Drew Foppy. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're incredible. I use them. I've got a 18 watt and a 50 watt, and I've got a, a 110 cab and a 12 cab, and then I've got a another cab that has two 12s in it, but it looks like a half stack. It's just uh-huh. a little small. Yeah. So those are the, those are the amps I'm using, and then um, uh, guitars. I've, I've got a Japanese Strat. I got a, that I absolutely love, and I just got not six months ago. And, uh, I use that and I've got that 76 less ball, uh, cause we do, there's, uh, some songs we do in D, mm. completely in D, just tune down a full step, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I use that for those tunes. And then, um, uh, and I've got my, I've got my other strat, my Franken strat, you know, it's, it's, I'm, we were playing the Tulsa Raceway years ago and the opening band, uh, they played and then, uh, when we got on their, their guitar player wanted me to play his guitar. He's like, Oh, you got to play this. And we're playing and I'm in the middle of set. And I was like, oh, I'm good. I got my guitars and kept bugging me. And then I had a few more beers. So I was like, go get your guitar. I'll play it. <laughs> so he goes and gets it and I fell in love with it. And I told him, my tour manager, I said, Hey, I want this guitar and do whatever you got to do to get it. And he comes back and he's like, here, 200 bucks. And it's incredible. And the kid, the kid put it together from his granddad's other guitars. So it's like this morph thing. It's just a, just a wood grain body that's been worn out. Uh, some Texas specials, I think an old Epiphone humbucker, um, and, uh, old sixties, uh, Fender neck, but it's just, you know, it's yeah. crazy. Awesome. So that's, that's, that's the workhorse. That one. That one feels like it could fall off the top of a building and you could pick it up and play it. <laughs> you, know? you, you know what? A lot of those, well, the a Japanese Strat, I mean, come on. Uh, to, in my opinion, the, the ones that are made in Japan are some of the best ones that are out there. It's incredible. Really, I, I've been a, I, I've got a lot of guitars and I've been a Strat guy and a Tele guy my entire life. And I have a couple of uh, Japanese Strats that are nice, but I recently uh, bought a Japanese Ibanez Prestige, and I'm just flat out blown away by um, the perfection of this guitar. How easy it is to play, how you know how how um, how playable it really is. You know, you can any style of music, but the quality of the guitar just far, in my opinion, the Japanese ones just far you know exceed you know what. Well, you can buy from a Fender custom shop, really. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I should say that now. Fender might not like me, <laughs> but it's true. I mean, Japanese the Japanese strats are really great strats. 
They are. Yeah, the so now you, you've gone from a PV-112 in an Epiphone. Now you're playing boutique stuff, you know, and, and I know you, you're, you're, you're a guitar player. So you're thinking about, you really are, you're thinking about how do I get 10 more guitars, right? Unfortunately, it is an addiction. Yeah. How the, do guys, I get the guys are sick of it because uh, every time it seems like somebody's giving me a guitar now. And so in our studio, we're running out of wall space for me to hang all these things. And it is, and any, I see, and what's really funny is they bitch about it all the time. But for my birthday, uh, in June, um, I had, I found this guitar that it was, an, it's, it's called a Bell Sonic and it's, it's a guy, the guy in Phoenix, he builds these and I just loved it. And it's a, uh, it's like a Telly Firebird mix, which is crazy. Oh, wow. I, there's probably pictures online of it. Um, but, uh, I wanted it. And the guy, I was like, well, I'll do an artist deal with you if you want, you know? Um, and cause I, I, I was like, this could be my signature guitar. This is, I would get behind this anyway, anytime. Right. And, uh, but he was kind of, he's kind of dicking me around a little bit and, uh, and wasn't gonna, cause I'm, I'm like, you're going to get a lot of play out of this thing. It's going to go everywhere. Um, so I didn't think I was going to get it. And I was like, screw this. I'm giving it back. And so the guy surprised me and got it for me. Yeah. And I blew my mind. I had no idea. And, uh, oh shit. Where'd you go? I lost you. There you are. Um, I had no idea. And, uh, and I love the thing. Uh, but see, then they go, they're always bitching about how many guitars I have. And then they go buy me one for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's an ever ending battle. You know, I mean, you're, I know, are you a guy that, you know, is always, messing with your sound you know are you always you know trying new pedals and yeah in the studio i am <laughs> yeah i use the studio a lot and i just i'll just have it a mess i have pedals everywhere and i'm just trying to plug this into that and um but uh but live i pretty much got my standard uh you know pedal board and rig that that gets my point across and i can get the tone i get i get a rough because what i usually do and the last record we have, we didn't do a lot of overdubs. I did, the new one we're working on, we're definitely going to keep it stripped back. But I always kind of take all my guitar parts. Ben's on the only guitar, seeing as I'm, I'm the only player, you know. And so I'll overdub stuff. But ultimately, when we play live, I take all those parts and I play them as one. Right. So I'll take this and that and this and that and just make sure that the point gets across. Right. So now you, you, uh, you just said your, your pedal board. So I'm taking it that you have a pedal board that you, that you use live and that. What are some of the, the main? Um, I use a volume pedal. Oh, I, that's my crutch. I, cause it's just like, cause you can get the full tone out of your guitar mm-hmm. and just kick the volume pedal back. So your tone stays, but it just the level of volume comes and goes. Right. Uh, and then I have, uh, of course the boss tuner. Uh, I use a boss, they're, they're mainly boss pedals that I got, but Drew Foppy, who builds my amps, sorry, I've been painting too. So oh, no, hands. it's cool, man. <laughs> um, Drew Foppy, uh, not only does he set up my guitars and all that and build my amps, but he also mods my pedals. So I have a, uh, boss super overdrive, just the standard yellow one. Yeah. And that he, he puts these mods in it. And I'm so, I'm so the worst. It paying attention to anything. I just, I, you know, as far as setting up guitars or knowing how it, you know, any, anything like that, I just, I, unless it's to play it or write a song, I, you know, I, I don't get the technical stuff really that much. 
And uh, so the switches he puts on, he's like, so this switch is Paige. This switch is Hendrix. And I'm like, okay, I, I can, that's how he speaks to me, you know? Yeah. So um, I got that. And then uh, uh, I have a delay pedal with tap tempo, which is not a boss. I think it's the DD6 or DD7. And uh, I usually t- use two delays uh, just because uh, I set one that's like slap back that's constant. That I, and then I got one that I adjust that's a longer delay for solos because that's how I really feel my sound out. Uh, since I'm, there's just one guitar. So when I go to play solos, the delay really helps sticking that up, you know? Right. And then I, I used a, a Fender made a reverb pedal with Boss. I think it was the 65 reverb tank that they modded and they don't make them anymore. And I went and bought, I buy them up every time I get them because cause they're great pedals. There's a good reverb pedal that doesn't, because the other ones that like Boss has put out before, it seems like they cut your volume. Yeah. And this pedal does not do that. Uh, so that, and then, uh, and I'll use a, uh, a blues driver yeah. too. And then I just, just a boost. Yeah. That's pretty much, I mean, I don't have any kind of crazy pedal setup at all. Yeah. I, I've never been, uh, I've never been a fan of reverb, you know, because, because of one of the things you just mentioned, you know, the cutting the volume. I, I've never been a fan because I think it it mush it mushes up your sound. Consider, yeah, I can't use it wrong. I've always been a fan of stacking delays, you know, because you can get that fullness in that body, in that uh, in your sound. That that really is what you're searching for with reverb, without it, you know, squelching and mushing it up in that. But uh, yeah. I'm telling you that vendor pedal is great. Yeah, but don't go buying them up because I I'm I'm going to look stuff. for it because you know I I would scan around my room here and you know I think I got around 300 pedals, you know. So I see your pedal shelf right there. There's one. There's yeah, one there's pedal. One. <laughs> those are uh, those are all the pedals behind me on the two shelves are just overdrive pedals. I, I'm That's fanatic fun. about overdrive pedals. Good. I don't know why. You know, I do. It's awesome. <laughs> You know, I, I actually, you know what, one I just got that I absolutely love. You got to check it out. There's a company called Free the Tone. They're, okay. they're Japanese by chance. And, uh, they make, they make a couple of overdrive pedals and they make one that's called, uh, the Fire Mist, which is kind of like their plexi in a box, if you will. And that oh, wow. is, it is so great. I mean, they're noiseless pedals. They're made really, really well in that but i'll pick it up that's my shameless plug i'm hoping they'll send me another one <laughs> I had I'll check them out. on your recommendation i will check them out see there you go them. there you go you want to make sure you have that so that's cool so i mean so tell me about the album the album is sunshine correct yep. so tell us about so the album. yeah uh, it's been, it was, it took us about two years, a little over two years to make because we were doing, we were touring so much. We would record it in, like, in between legs of the tours, you know, but so, yeah, it's, it was just this ongoing thing. So we would, we, we set up, we went and checked out a bunch of studios with Johnny K who produced it. And, uh, all the studios just, they were great. Don't get me wrong, but they just, ours has a vibe. So he's just, our rehearsal studio had a vibe and we recorded demos there. But he said, man, you guys, this place is the best. Let's just do it there. So he flew a bunch of gear out. We built it out and, uh, it was, uh, 
we would do four, like four songs at a time, three or four. So we would go out on the road for a month or two and come back, have two weeks. And we would do three or four songs, go back out for two months, come back, do three or four more songs. And we would do that in Phoenix and he'd fly there or he, he lives in Chicago and has a studio there. So if we were on the road, we'd stop there. That's where we recorded what you got was at his place. And then, uh, but, um, you know, it was a, it was a labor of love and we're all really happy with it. And we all, everybody pitched in, you know, songwriting wise. Um, there's a few songs that, you know, I brought in just top to bottom, but the guys really, you know, that's why I like being in a band is working off, working with other people, you know, and the guys that you love, like they're my best friends. So we would hang, we hang out even if we're not playing music. It's not like we go and do other things. We're together. And, uh, so that's, I think that comes across on the record. And then, um, it's funny cause we had nine songs done and we needed, we didn't have any, everything was rockers, you know, we didn't have any ballads. And I, you know, and what's what Johnny said, he's like, you need, you know, you need to think about a ballad for this. And, and, you know, no offense to anybody or the eighties or poison themselves. But I was like, I'm just not a guy that can write. Everybody has a song. I, will, I wish I could be, you know, but right. I, I couldn't, I just don't see me doing that. And that's what pops in my head when I think of ballad or, or, you know, even, um, you know, I don't know, just, uh, something like, like George Harrison or something that in the ice. That's where I would go. But, um, I was on the phone, uh, I was FaceTiming my son and his mom and he was really, he was, he's two now. So this is like, he was just born. And when I couldn't be there and I'm on the road, I'd just play acoustic guitar to him. And he kind of calmed down a little bit. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, he's kind of restless and I start playing this lick and I was like, Oh shit, I got to call you back. And so <laughs> I hung up and I, and I went and I recorded the song and I started writing home, which is the last song on the record, which is going to be the last single that we're going to put out. And it came together so well. And I wrote it in 10 minutes. Yeah. And so that's the, that's how the ballad wound up on there. And it wound up, it's one, it's, it's, kind of a favorite of the bands and the crowds too when we play it now so uh so this the record really means a whole lot and it's like i said it, i was glad uh i was glad to see it be done though i was re- i was ready to put it to bed and move on and start a new new album you know because you know our first record came out that we put out ourselves in 2012 then we put out medicine in 2016 and then we put out sunshine you know, in 20, 2020. So there's been like this big chunk of years in between records. Right. So, uh, and when you think about how they used to do it, you know, Creedence put together, you know, it put out two records a year and two records a year. Yeah. Just like, wow. It's so, I I mean, I hate the whole COVID and, you know, the pandemic and everybody's shutting down everything, but it's really given us time to, to kind of hunker down and, and, and work on the next record and, and really focus. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. I actually, I, I love the record. You know, I have actually come to, to really like your music a lot in that, oh, uh, thank you. you know, and it was just recently, it was just in the last, you know, six to eight months that, you know, um, somebody pitched, you know, your guys' band to me, you know, to, to check out. So they said, you really check this out. And I'm, I mean, one thing that I'm really excited about is, is that there's, there's a whole group of young musicians and bands out there now that are extremely talented that are are making the guitar i don't want to say the center focus but they're making the guitar more prevalent 
in the songs because although I appreciate the grunge days, I appreciate them. I miss the guitar in those days. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm a product of, of the seventies, late sixties, seventies and eighties where it was nothing but, you know, guitar, you know, it yeah. was in your face, Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, oh, yeah. you name it. It was like all in your face. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we went, at least I felt like we went a period of time where it was, you know, it was just, it was, it was, it was the focus of the guitar was different. Let's just put it that way. It was different. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like, it went from the virtuosic. Yeah. Um, to, you know, Kurt Cobain just banging around on a, you know, out of tune Mustang, Jack Stain or whatever he was using. <laughs> yeah. Which was cool. Yeah, I mean, they needed it, man. Like, any more hairspray and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too much. Yeah, you know, there's some guys that I know that were in that era that were in some of those bands that they they look back now and they can't believe that you know they they did that, you know, that they dressed the way they did and put on the appearance they did. But you know, it was you know it was the age of MTV just coming about, and you know. Oh. Excess, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Every, everybody was chasing Van Halen. Once Van Halen came on the scene, that I think that's where all that came from. They were chasing, you know, to be, you know, like Van Halen, which, you know, Van Halen was out there and they were completely different than everybody else. Yeah, everything else was watered down after that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. You weird. had all the, you had all the, uh, the trickster kicks. Britney Fox with two X's, uh, you know, and <laughs> go on. You know what though? There were some really great players in some of those bands. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. This, Incredible players. Yeah. Some really, really great players. And, uh, you know, some of them never got the credit, you know, individually that they should have got, you know, because they were so amassed by the whole hair band thing, you know, that, uh, yeah. You guys, man, you guys are, to me, it's just, it's just rock. You know, it's just, it's just a great rock. Yeah. That's all I can say. Cause we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or do anything that we just do what comes natural to us. Yeah. That's it. You know, we're not overthink it. It's, you know, good songs and, and passion. Yeah. So you guys have any, uh, virtual shows or live stream shows you're going to be doing in the coming future? We don't have anything set up there. We, we are supposed to play, uh, an actual festival thing called Volkstock, which is like a Volkswagen extravaganza thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I can't say that, you know, I live in a bubble, so I don't, I don't watch CNN or pay attention to any of the stuff that's going on. So I hear everything through, you know, management and people telling me what's going on. So, uh, you know, for, and we're supposed to go to Mexico, but it's sounding like that's oh, all pretty iffy right now. They might cancel all that stuff. Yeah. I don't get my hopes up anymore until I, you know, we were supposed to, in May, we were supposed to open up for Metallica at the Epicenter Festival. Oh, and wow. that didn't happen. So, uh, once that gets knocked out, it's supposed to be, it was us, Royal Blood, The Darkness, David Lee Roth, and Metallica. Yeah. At this, that was our first stadium show. And that would have been a blast. Yeah. Out the window. And then they rescheduled it though for, uh, for October in Sacramento. So we'll see. Yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know. Well, so, I'm just, I'm just glad to be here right now. <laughs> <laughs> but Josh, you know, I appreciate you giving me a little bit of your time. I really, at any time, hit me up. I'm glad we can finally hook up. 
Yeah. So uh, tell the band I said hello, and I'll let your publicist know when this is going to air. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. It was good talking to you, man. You take That's care. Guys. All right. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. All right. So there you have it, everybody. That was Josh Kennedy from the Black Moods. Make sure you're going to their website, blackmoods.com, checking out their new project, Sunshine. I want to thank Josh for uh, coming on Guitar Talk. Uh, I really appreciate the time that he gave me and uh, make sure you're following these guys on all the social media and signing up for their mailing list. And you know, when things open back up, make sure you get out there and you see these guys play live because uh, they're a really good band, really, really good band. So once again, thanks to Josh and the black uh, moods for participating in guitar talk. So next Wednesday is the last day of 2020. For us at Guitar Talk, uh, we're thankful. <laughs> we are so ready to move on like everybody else. So I'm going to do a uh, special show. Uh, it's going to be a double show. And we're going to do blues, man. You know, there's a guy that I know in Chicago. His name is Mike Wheeler. Now, if you've ever been to Chicago or been around Chicago in the blues scene, you know Mike. Mike is a solid, solid player. He's a good singer. He's a very talented musician. Everybody knows who he is. He's played with everybody that you can imagine that's come through Chicago. And uh, he's just a top-notch player. And so uh, Mike is going to join us at 3 p.m. on Wednesday. And then at 4 p.m. on Wednesday, I got this cat from Iowa. I know you know who he is. His name is Kevin Burt. Now, Kevin... You know, typically does a lot of shows just himself with a dobro. He is, man, he's a good player, and he's a good singer, and he's a great entertainer. And uh, it was a real privilege to be able to uh, to chat with him for an extended period of time, actually. The boy likes to talk, which is cool, you know, so it's cool. So uh, he's going to be on at 4 o'clock next Wednesday. Okay, so we've got a special two hours of guitar talk with Jimmy Warren, with Mike Wheeler, Chicago blues guitarist, and Iowa blues guitarist, Kevin Burt. Now, just so you know, so don't, you know, don't think you're going anywhere. The following week, we're right back at it with John Harrington, the guitarist for Sealy Dan. So, uh, yeah, you're not going to want to miss anything. So do me a favor. Make sure that you're following us on uh, all aspects of social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, just so you know, our new website for guitartalkofficial.com launches January 1st. A lot of great stuff on that uh, new website. There's a competition that's going to be on there, too, to give somebody an opportunity to win a new guitar and be a special guest of mine on Guitar Talk. A lot of really cool things going on. Our, you know, our shows are starting to load up onto uh, YouTube, so you can go to Jimmy Warren Official YouTube and uh, get all the guitar talk shows. As a matter of fact, this one with Josh Kennedy's on there, uh, just like last week's with uh, Kim Simmons from Savoy Brown and Diamond Rowe from Tektra. Okay, they're all going to be on there. So, uh, and then hey, do me a favor, go to. Uh, 
uh, jimmywarrenofficial.com uh, and guitartalkofficial.com and sign up for the email list so that you don't miss anything because 2021's huge for us. I don't know if you know this, but we got John Five and uh, Joe Satriani and Carl Verhey and Kurt Fletcher, Orianti. We just got a ton of great players and uh, we've got some good guitar builders and uh, other people in the industry that are going to be joining us next year too as well so it's going to be a great time so i want to thank everybody for tuning in to guitar talk once again thank my guest josh kennedy and y'all stay cool now